This is the Nordic Football Guys Podcast. What is up, everybody? This is the Nordic Football Guys. I am your host, Hayden, and I am joined, as always, with my host, Anthe. Anthe, can you please say hello to the nice people at home? I never say hello. I always say moro moro. Moro moro, Anthe. How you doing, dude? I'm doing great, man. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing to complain about. It's spring is, or may, may I say, summer is breaking out in Helsinki, Finland. So it's it's like well, summer temperatures, t-shirt weathers, and so on. So yeah, I it's went nice. out. I went out with the dog this morning. It was 20 degrees, and I wore shorts and a t-shirt, and it was like amazing i i don't know i can't convert it right now i guess it's like 70s is 20 degrees so it's like yeah about there yeah yeah so it's like perfect like almost summertime weather in helsinki i'm loving it yeah it's it's in 70s uh like at least in midwest in states like 70s is the when the barbecue season begins though yeah yeah, the you thing, can go outside and barbecue. When it's I don't like know 70. much about the Midwest. I know that 70s where I come from is like February weather sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but it, it maybe that's yeah, an Midwest, exaggeration. Midwest, but, the Midwest is a bit closer to uh, yeah, uh, Finnish weather. So yeah, it can definitely be 70s in March though, where I come from, like for sure. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's like winter weather in North Carolina, but. It's still great for Helsinki, and it's nice to get outside, and my dog's enjoying it. In fact, probably after I'm done recording this, I will go and take him out for another little walk because I want to get outside, and I have some time. That's nice. Yeah, yeah next week also, the uh, because we have had this uh, 10 people gathering limit for quite, quite some time now, and next week the government decided to uh, extend that to 50 people, so that means the patios and restaurants are going to open. Yeah. So I think we have... We are going to see pretty many people in patios enjoying their beers next week. I'm going to be one of them. Yeah, I think the two of us will For be sure. together. We'll yeah. take a picture and send to everybody. We've been freed at last. So. Yeah, and of, of course, they're going to organize the patios in based of their capabilities to uh, keep the uh, safe distances. Yeah. You know, I think the uh, two meter safe distance is uh, a bit too short for Finnish people. We like like five <laughs> meters more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not enough for us or for the Finnish yeah. people anyway. People are upset that they said you have to stay two meters away. It's not. Yeah, enough. we want to be longer than that. We <laughs> Classic joke. Classic yeah. joke. But yeah, uh, yesterday, good news from uh, our side. We had my wife went to go get a corona test but she's okay. So no, t- she's just allergies, I guess. So everything's mm. cool on our, oh, okay. yeah. Cool, so cool. we can all hang out again without any fear of being sick. So I'm excited for that. Anthe is going to come over this week and we're going to record next week's episode or not next week's episode, but the weeks after week afters. So yeah. We, we so it's going to be a bro day Friday. I, I have a day off from work. So, mm-hmm gonna just gonna spend the whole day on Hayden's and Hayden's wife is at the office so yeah we got all day to do whatever we want really exciting maybe we'll go for a walk maybe we'll order some food (laughs) (laughs) play play call of duty probably but lots of fun stuff hey but anyway uh we have a really awesome episode coming up for you guys we actually somehow I have no idea how it happened we got an interview with a Thor Thor Nystrom is how he pronounces it. Yeah, yeah also how he pronounces it. You know, in Finland, as you know, we would say that Nystrom. And Thor. <laughs> as proper, yeah, Thor Nystrom, as proper Swedish way. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's developed in the States. I mean, he's a proper American 
yeah, some roots are from uh, from the northern countries, but I'm yeah. sure his family has been living there for quite some time now. Yeah, but for those of you who don't know who Thor is, he is the head college football analyst and draft expert for Roto World. So we're really and Roto World is a member of NBC, and we're really excited to have him come on. And I thought it was a great episode. Uh, Anthe learned quite a lot. We talked all about uh, undrafted free agents, a little bit about the draft, and even our own team. We also asked one of the age-old questions, is Dak Prescott worth the money he's asking? So, Or, is, or more than more, is if, if he thinks he's a quote, good quarterback. Not just yeah. a good fantasy quarterback, but a good uh, quarterback in real life. Right. At least in our circles, the question, is Dak Prescott a good quarterback? has been going around for a long time. So uh, now we finally have an answer and we can give it to those people. So I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah, it's a great, great interview for sure. I'm pretty sure you told me that you told the people that I learned some something. I'm pretty sure you learned something. Yeah, something I learned all well, kinds so. of stuff as well. Yeah, you went like you went like off with your questions. <laughs> I was oh, really well. excited to ha- have an expert on. Yeah, for sure. He knows. No, he knows his football for sure, and for for especially NCAA and and NFL, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it was so yeah, uh, just, just just such a privilege to have him on the show. <clears throat> I'm saying words now; it's hard to pronounce for me. So <laughs> I should maybe <laughs> steer away from those stores or just switch to my rally English because it's much easier to pronounce. Worry <laughs> about the accent too much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, also our fact checker, Karri, who I already mentioned last week. Our intern. uh, Yeah, (laughs) came forward again uh, and uh, clarified why we have this uh, restriction in in Maple League, in in the Finnish League. As you told me that the the US players cannot play. Yeah, it's pretty much basically that Finnish people would have a chance to develop. Otherwise, of course, the US people would take over. And uh, so the maximum is three U.S. players in uh, in Finnish league, or not not uh, maximum of three U.S. people, uh, maximum of three non-EU players. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter if they're Australians or U.S. So mm. yeah, uh, but they can't stop because of EU regulations. They can't stop people. Yeah, because with EU yeah, passports. yeah, because we have the free movement, free movement, and free labor in the, between EU countries. So yeah, but you had that Italian passport. But anyway, um, this was, we're really excited to get this episode started, so maybe we'll cut over to that Thor interview now. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, everybody. We are now joined with Thor Nystrom. Uh, Thor, welcome. Great to be here, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to know, because your name is like super interesting, and as you know, we've explained to you, we are a Nordic podcast, so we would really love to hear like your story how how did a guy with this name get involved in in the football industry yeah that's kind of i think that's kind of how we we hooked up on twitter i i saw you guys i was like i was like oh nordic football you know i um you know i'm i'm from minnesota and uh, my heritage is nordic so i'm all down with the nordic people and whatnot um and uh you know as far as my name goes it's that's where it comes from um you know my 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 parents uh, grabbed that from Nordic mythology, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my, my dad has more of a boring name. His name's Robert. But, like, when he was in kindergarten, there was, like, five other Bobs and Roberts. And so he wanted to have his son have a name that nobody else had. And so he just grabbed it from his, you know, his heritage, you know, going, going way back. Yeah. So, 
that's that's where that's where I got it. I mean, you don't get more Nordic than Thor. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are rocking that uh, with the beard and everything. You are rocking that Viking look a little bit. I mean, so. you have to. You have to. If 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 I was a little runt that couldn't grow a beard, the name Thor would would not have gone over pretty well with me. But because I can a little bit, it's it's a good name. It suits me well. Yeah, for sure. You're definitely more Nordic looking than Auntie. For, for yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm all my my family actually. Oh my, it comes from Germany from like 15th century something like that when they already immigrated to Finland. But you know, we have also a bunch of Finnish people. Uh, living in Minnesota or with that Finnish heritage as well. I've actually yeah, been sure. to Minnesota myself in... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, in Duluth and in Bemichi and uh, Eli, I think it was, yeah. Also. Oh, you know, my... Uh, well, first of all, my mom went to uh, college in Bemidji and I've gone to Ely every summer since I was a kid because my grandparents have a cabin there on a lake, yeah. Burnside Lake. That was a lovely place, yeah. One of yeah. those places that in winter is like completely dead and in, in the summertime it's like multiplies. Yeah, it's it's a paradise in the summer, but yeah, you don't want to go there in the winter. It's dead. Yeah, yeah. I was actually in a radio show in Eli, uh, in Ely. Yeah, really. Yeah, also as a guest. Yeah, didn't talk oh. about football back then. About uh, Finland mostly, <laughs> but anyways, and actually the guy, uh, the Finnish uh, president of the association, was also playing high school football in Duluth. So also a bit oh. of a connection to Minnesota there. I probably know the radio station that you were on because I probably listened to it. Was it Wheelie? Yeah. Yeah. The- Oh, okay. They're small world. Yeah, that was back in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, listen to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I did. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Funny. Yeah, for sure. But you live in uh, Minneapolis, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Cool. Do you follow uh, ice hockey at all? Just a bit of out of subject. Just a little bit. Yeah, and and we had a couple good uh, Finnish players on the Wild. I, I don't know if we still do, but we we used to at least. Yeah, you still have the captain Mikko Koivu, Grunlund yes, that's and, right. and Eric Haula continued their ways other other places yeah i mean granville plays yep. in uh, nashville at the moment and uh Howla plays in uh in florida now yeah he used was with the hurricanes for a few seasons now in, in florida yeah yeah we had a bit of a finished pipeline here yeah for sure for sure yeah uh yeah but you know hayden uh why don't you take the lead and go to the actual subject that is uh f- football so you mo- you recently wrote an article about undrafted free agents that are yep. that are coming into the league uh, so we thought that we would go that way, but Antti and I, we were wondering, especially for like people in Finland that maybe don't know as much, uh, how important are undrafted free agents? Would you say to like the ever the NFL nowadays? They're way more important than people realize. And they're way more important than people realize like fans in America and even, um, diehard football fans in America, you know, like, uh, I put out like, um, you know, for instance, you know, I, I, I put these rankings out and then like some newspapers will pick it up. Like there was a, um, a Philadelphia newspaper and they, you know, they, they put out an article like, um, you know, NBC ranks, you know, Eagles undrafted free agent class number, you know, whatever I rank them, I, uh, number five. Mm. And, and on Twitter, someone replied to it like, you know, Oh, it's just undrafted free agents. Who cares? You know, like something like that. And you get a lot of stuff like that, um, you know, with fans here too, where it's just like, oh, they're, you know, people ignored these kids for seven rounds, you know, 256, 257 picks. So who cares? You know, they're, they're afterthoughts. They have no shot. 
But the fact of the matter is, is roughly one-fifth of the NFL is comprised of undrafted free agents. And we've had some real legends of the game, um, you know, that are undrafted free agents. Recent guys, you know, Arian Foster, Wes Welker, Doug Baldwin, Chris Dealman, James Harrison, Tony Romo, uh, Antonio Gates. Um, you know, and then you have like all-time legends, you know, Kurt Warner, John Randall, Nate Newton, um, London Fletcher, Priest Holmes, Rod Smith, uh, Warren Moon. Um, and then I list out all the active guys who are currently, you know, or, you know, that they came into the league under active free agents. It is an enormous list. Um, and so like, it's a very important part of the process is, is the point I'm trying to make. And, you know, doing something like this an exercise like this, which, you know, it's not done by a lot of folks. I, I might be the only person out there that does it, you know, even, in, even in America, like other writers just don't do this, mm-hmm. but the, the importance of it is, you know, to me, it's like the draft doesn't end after round seven because the player acquisition period has not ended. Um, it, it's the, the NFL draft or, you know, sort of like the, um, the talent acquisition period. It's, it sort of goes into that Saturday night where it, then it turns into a free for all, you know, just because the, the thing ends at seven rounds. And then after that, it becomes a signing bonus thing. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, some of these kids that fall through, like there was a, um, a guy, Luke Barku, he was a San Diego state cornerback who signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was such huge competition for Barku coming out of the draft that he actually got a signing bonus. That was the equivalent of a late fifth round signing bonus. So Barku, if he'd gotten taken in the sixth round or the seventh round, he would have made less money than he did as getting, you know, undrafted. And there's some other kids that have, you know, sort of similar stories or whatever. But the, the point I'm trying to impress upon people is undrafted free agents are, are important. You know, it's not as important, obviously, as round one, but, it, but it's very important for team building. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so what sort of uh, players would you expect to become an undrafted free agent? Because, of course, you see, like, the first-round guys are all, like, the really big physical guys with – great measurements. I, I would assume that maybe the undrafted guys are kind of the opposite of that. Could, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're guys who have been overlooked for one reason or another. So you're either talking size measurables of some kind, you know, whether that's, you know, athletic, something like that. Um, sometimes they're guys with character concerns and sometimes those are even perceived character concerns. Sometimes they're real. Sometimes they're perceived. And an example of a perceived one, was uh, several years ago, I don't know if you guys remember a name, L. Collins, who's a starting offensive lineman for the Cowboys right now. Uh, Four years ago, five years ago, coming out of LSU, um, earlier in the process, he was um, a potential first-rounder, but um, his ex-girlfriend, it's a very sad story, but his ex-girlfriend had gotten murdered, um, like, I don't know if it was in, like, um, March, like late March or early April or something, leading up into the draft, and Lael Collins, he was not a suspect, but he had not been like the, the police hadn't been able to do their full investigation. And so because there was still some, you know, cloud of mystery there because the whole thing wasn't done, you know, like he hadn't been cleared technically or whatever, the NFL got scared and didn't draft Lael Collins. So he fell out of the whole draft and mm-hmm. became an undrafted free agent. So, so that's another example. But Lael Collins, you know, he didn't kill his girlfriend. He didn't, I mean, it was just his ex-girlfriend got murdered 
you know, and then two weeks later, then he goes from being a potential first rounder to undrafted. It was like the saddest thing ever. So, so then you have, you have that thing. Um, and then it could just be another thing like, you know, guys that are overlooked because of their circumstance, you know, whether it's, um, you know, sometimes it's like a thing of like, you know, playing behind guys or being in a situation where you're in a crowded room. Maybe you're in a system that, that didn't behoove your, your skill set. Um, or maybe it's because you went to a smaller school. Like, for instance, you know, being here in Minneapolis, one of the Vikings' best players now going back several years. Oh, actually, on both sides of the ball now, but I, the guy I'm talking about is on offense, Adam Thielen. He was an undrafted free agent. He was a local kid from St. Cloud State. Um, just a very small school, you know, and so people didn't really see Adam Thielen, but he got a tryout with the Vikings and, um, you know, they signed him and then he turned out to be a stud. And then, you know, just while I was thinking about it on the other side of the ball, the guy they, they gave their franchise take to this, this past season, Anthony Harris, the safety, he was an undrafted free agent too. He kind of came at it the other way though, where his junior year, he, I believe he'd led the NCAA in interceptions, but then his senior year, the counting stats weren't quite as high and he doesn't, Anthony Harris doesn't look like much like walking off the bus and you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have like the blazing speed and stuff like that. And so even though he's a really good player, um, you know, just on paper, um, it didn't add up for, for scouts, you know, in terms of their evaluation. And so he sort of just filtered through the cracks a little bit. So yeah, for, for all those different reasons, you know, a guy can just sort of free fall out. Um, medicals is the other big one. If, if, you know, if the NFL is like super concerned about your medicals, um, uh, Hunter Bryant, a tight end from Washington this year, who um, coming into the season was the, the top tight end on a lot of people's boards. He fell all the way out of the draft this year. And a big part of the reason was because he has these medical concerns from his past. So the, the medical thing is another, you know, really big deal that goes into that. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm an Uric guy, so I'm allowed to ask like stupid questions. <laughs> please do, please do. Maybe maybe like simple questions. Uh, yeah, as as people as as people in the Nordic, we don't realize how big the industry actually is is in the university sports or the college sports uh, in the states because we don't have the same kind of system. We don't have uh, college sports teams at all. Uh, we only have sports teams in in like private sports teams, so to say. So uh, when you have seven rounds of picks. Uh, of 32 teams that makes like 220 something plus, plus comps picks push it to like 257 you, you get yeah. compensation yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. roughly so have, yeah two, 250 picks uh roughly uh yeah. could you like explain a bit how huge the competition actually is to get drafted i, I mean how many division one schools there is in the states and division one there, being in the highest like tier yeah, so there's like 130, I think, like something like that in the in the FBS, and then so that's like 1A, that's like the very top, and then right below that is called the FCS, which is like one double A, um, and there's some equivalent amount of schools in that, and then you drop to Division Two, you know, and there's a bunch of schools in that, and then Division Three, there's a bunch there too, um, and then you know you can go even further than that. You have like NI. NIA, I think it's called. Um, and then you have uh, JUCO, you know, where it's just like the two-year schools and stuff like that. Um, sometimes we get prospects from D3. It rarely happens, but this year we actually did. And he was another local kid, um, Ben Barch, um, an offensive tackle. I actually got to see him live. He went to St. John's, um, which is up north. Um, but uh, 
you know, you rarely see guys from lower on, but just to your point, the competition's huge. You know, this year in uh, February, late February, I, I was at the NFL Combine. It was one of the last it, – it's crazy to think back on it because it was like one of the last big, um, you know, group events before all this COVID, you know, coronavirus mm-hmm. stuff started. The entire NFL, the future of the NFL, all the NFL media was packed into this small ballroom in late February, early March – and then we dispersed, and then, like, you know, a week or two later, all of a sudden, you know, all, all hell broke loose across the globe. Um, but, you know, to your point, like, they, they invite, like, 350, 360 kids or so to the NFL Combine, even though there's only going to be 250, whatever, 55, 57 kids drafted. And yet, there's a whole bunch of pe- kids that feel that they're snubbed from the NFL Combine. Um, perhaps even multiple hundreds, right? Like I rank 500 players. Like I have a 500 player big board before the draft guys that I think legitimately could get drafted. There's more players that are not even on my board get drafted every single year. Um, and like I have a, an NFL draft database on uh, like Google docs that I work on year round that thing to get down to 500 players where I rank the 500 players. I don't, I don't work up to that. I whittled down to get to that. Like in that database, I got like 1,200 players. So like, yeah, the, the amount of draft eligible guys, you know, the seniors, the redshirt seniors, and then you add in all, all of the underclassmen who declare for the process. It's a huge group. And then you have to whittle it down somehow. And so, you know, th- that's how we get into like the players who are overlooked. Because, you know, NFL teams have certain thresholds, you know, that, that they want their players to fall into, the guys that they're acquiring. And, you know, a lot of those will have to do with, like, length or, um, you know, athletic thresholds, you know, as, as far as their athleticism goes, they're 40 times, whatever. Um, and so some of these kids just fall below them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you about two guys from last the last um, class that went undrafted. The Dolphins got two guys that turned out to be immediate contributors. Um one of them, his name was Nick Needham. He was the cornerback from UTEP. He was pretty solid in college, but he tested terribly at the NFL Combine, like really, really bad. He, he tested as like, a, like in the third percentile for athletes. You know, so like if you, had a, if you had 100 NFL cornerbacks in a room, he'd be like one of the three worst athletes. And so that's the reason why he didn't get drafted. They just thought he was not an NFL caliber athlete. But he went to the Dolphins, and it turned out he was a player, and he was he was on the field immediately. And then the other guy was a guy named Preston Williams, a receiver that they signed. (laughs) You like Preston Williams? I have a question uh, about him later, actually. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, well, I'll just I'll I'll just I'll just cue cue this up then for for that. But the reason that Preston Williams went undrafted, he started out at Tennessee, and he was a really highly you know ballyhooed kind of recruit, like a high you know four five star kind of recruit. And then he got kicked out of school. He ended up having to transfer to Colorado State, and so he was like a character concern. So he he had that already like a ding against him, a big ding. And then he went to Colorado State. He had a huge season, but then he came out and he didn't run the fastest as well. And so it's like two strikes, you're out. And that's why he went undrafted. But he was a hell of a player at Colorado State. Like, I mean, a hell of a player. You know, if you turned on his tape, he was absolutely a draftable player. But that's the reason why players fall out. You know, you're almost at a certain point, you have to whittle that list down. You know, you can't, these NFL teams don't go into the draft with 500 player boards, you know, like this. They go into the draft with like 
a hundred player board or 150 player board. So they got to, they got to cut these guys off. So they're looking for reasons to disqualify you. If you're too small, if you're too slow, if you, you know, if you, you, you know, if you, if you have the character concern, if you have too many medical red flags, you get, you get dropped off their board. And if you get dropped off too many teams boards, all of a sudden that's how you can filter mm-hmm. out of the whole draft. That makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, Ante, you had that a bunch of questions kind of came up there. Some comments that you, you might have had about what was it, FCS yeah, schools well, and yeah, maybe just a like personal experience when I was like visiting that area, Minnesota, North Dakota area in uh, 2013. That's the first time I actually realized how big that uh, thing is there and how, like, for example, Fargo, North Dakota, they had this big uh, NDSU team there. Yep which is like, I had to actually look it up because it was like, yeah, it was the division one FCS football. Like you said, it's like the, like one B so to say. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah second tier. Yeah. And they were at that time, they were the two time defending champions, national champions. And uh, like the whole town breathed their colors, like uh, white and green colors. That's a big school there. So it, uh, yeah, that's- it is. And they just won the championship last year as well. And by the way, Next season or next next draft, they might have a top ten overall uh, player draft, maybe even top five. Uh, Trey Lance, a quarterback, so keep your eye on him. All right, Interesting. for sure. That's a good tip for next yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will for sure. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's like from my personal experience, I realized how how big that is there. And and you are the guy who is actually breathing the NCAA life. I mean, I saw your Twitter. I mean, you you're playing the <laughs> video game like pretty much all the time. <laughs> I love that video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you follow uh, high school football at all, or do you like have to concentrate on uh, on the university sports? Mostly college, you know, just because you know that's my job. And you know, I, I used to watch. You know, when I when I lived in my hometown of Brainerd, you know, I go to like to the local games. But um, you know, living in Minneapolis, um, I would have to have a real reason to go. You know, maybe if there was like a like a stud recruit, and it was just like you know, kind of an event to see him, I might go. But outside of that, um, I leave that to the recruiting guys. You know, they're better at sort of scouting that level. And I just sort of focus on the college kids. That's enough for me. I can imagine that's a lot of schools that you have to pay attention to. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, we're just wondering because uh, we have a big, well, maybe not big American standards, but big Finland standards. We have a recruit coming in. What do you, what's up, Auntie? Yeah, like the hottest prospect out from out from Finland, like American football wise, ever to come. I mean, he's sixteen year old, sixteen years old. I mean, his measurements uh, are what was it? He's six seven, six seven, three twenty five, and oh really? Yeah, he's got five D one offers already to Michigan. Uh, what were the other ones? Boston College, Oregon, Oregon, like a uh, bunch of big football schools. So. Somebody yeah, little, little tip for you there, I guess. Somebody that I guess you'll yeah. have to. That is that is a tip for me. I didn't know that. I I bet uh, I bet Minnesota will get involved at some point. You know, PJ Fleck, the coach here, he signed uh, uh, one of the big international tackles a couple years ago. A kid named Daniel Falele, who mm-hmm. came from New Zealand, and Daniel Falele is six nine, four hundred pounds. Oh. He's like this this super freak or whatever, but Minnesota, they kind of, they have this uh, scouting department where they kind of think outside the box. So I, if, if, if this, this Finnish kid's sort of getting on the radar, I, I would guess that Minnesota is going to be, going to be taking a look at him too. Yeah. yeah. I, I can imagine. He just had an interview in uh sports illustrated and all of these like 
these big pub publications. So he's kind of like the national treasure right now. So we just wow. kind of just kind of wanted to bring him up. Yeah, I'll yeah, keep my eye on him. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll look him up. His yeah, name. His dad was in the Atlanta Falcons practice squad in 2006. Uh, one of oh. those only two Finnish guys who have actually had a NFL contract. Never made the roster though, but has the genes and everything, and he's a bright guy, so he's great academically as well. Yeah, if you want, <laughs> if you want to look him up, his name is uh, Olaus, which is almost impossible for. Yeah, it's O O L A U S. Yeah, O L A U S. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I think you can find it with him. That's his. Interesting. Place. That's that. yeah. Yeah, that's enough. Why well, he starts <laughs> uh, only high school in in the states in uh, in September, so it's still three years to go, but. You never know. We are excited. He's gonna join our listener league as well. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The, I I see the Huskers offered him as yeah. well. Uh, well, going back to your uh, your bread and butter, uh, do you think that some of the teams, for example, uh, I'm a 49ers guy, they had only five draft picks uh, uh, this year, right? So yeah, do- something like that. Smaller yeah, class. Do- yeah. Yeah, do they uh, do some of these team teams strategize in and like leaving some of the picks for uh, for the undrafted free agents and maybe gamble a bit on that? You know, I I think I think there's one team I think there's one team that does that. I think the Saints do. I think the Saints I think the Saints deliberately use their late round picks to trade up during the draft. Um, to to get guys that are falling and then they use day three to try to call undrafted free agent guys and basically get a jump on that whole process of trying to sort of recruit guys to sign. Mm -hmm. And the Saints always sign one of the best, um, you know, undrafted, um, you know, free agent classes or whatever. The 49ers this year was a little bit different just in that they had traded a lot of those picks, um, you know, sort of in advance. And then, you know, like, um, you know, like the Emmanuel Sanders trade and like all that, you know, those sorts of deals and stuff like that. And then, you know, obviously they'd recouped one of the picks, you know, from the Colts and stuff like that. So they had a little bit of a different sort of scenario, but I, I do think it did, it did help them. Um, you know, I I think having a smaller class does help you in, in the undrafted free agent uh, market because you're able to, you're negotiating with these guys. You know, it's it's not a thing where you just get to select them. You're you're trying to convince them to sign with you. And so, you know, the the more attractive pitch you have, and the more, you know, sometimes the money's more or less equal because it's not like millions and millions of dollars. Even that Barku kid I was telling you about, he got the record signing bonus for an undrafted free agent, but it was like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, it's not like an enormous for the NFL. It's not an enormous amount of money, and and most mm-hmm. of these guys their guarantees are like, you know, $20,000 or something, you know, it's a, it's a, for the NFL, it's a, it's a pittance or whatever. So really what you're doing is you're, you're, you're trying to pitch them on, you know, having an advantageous opportunity and, you know, the smaller, the smaller, the draft class, the more clear the opportunity the kid can see to potentially winning a roster spot. Mm. Well, one question I I was kind of wondering about uh, this year's draft, as we know, it has not been the traditional year, like off season for the NFL, of course, and for like the whole world. But uh, do you think because of that, that th- we might see more undrafted free agents making roster spots, considering like teams didn't have the ability to look as closely to players that they were drafting this year? Yeah, I, I've heard this argued both ways. Um, 
like, uh, for instance, uh, Mike Mayock, the, the GM of the Raiders, he was talking at the end of the draft about, like, how he didn't want to trade for any late-round picks because, you know, like, those kids, they, you know, they, they weren't scouted as much and they're not going to have as much time, you know, like, in camp to try to make the team and stuff like that. And the Raiders clearly did not um, invest much in the undrafted free agent market. They had my last-place undrafted class, 32 out of 32. And so the Raiders clearly feel like – you know, we didn't see these kids much and like, you know, they're not going to get much of a shot. So we won't, you know, whatever. So they see it one way. I sort of see it the other way where, um, you know, the, the pre-draft process essentially ended when the combine did, you know, mm-hmm. the, like, you know, I, I mean, maybe there was a week after that or whatever, but that's when everything sort of screeched to a halt. And so all these kids who in the past had had pro days and had a chance to run for scouts and, and test for scouts kids that weren't invited to the combine those kids this year did not have that opportunity and you think back in the past of like all these kids that did not go to the combine who were able to impress at their pro days and get drafted there was a guy named uh, Keith Bayard like five six years ago wasn't invited to the combine he went in the second round to the Tennessee Titans and a big part of the reason was because he impressed at his pro day Mm -hmm. um Guys like that this year, it's like an alternate reality where, like, if there hadn't been COVID, you know, there's, like, there's two, you know, it's like, I don't know if you guys saw that movie Doctor Strange or whatever, but, like, if if there hadn't been COVID, there would have been this reality where, you know, all the pro days would have happened. And so there would have been certain prospects that would have jumped up. Mm-hmm. You know, because they would they would have impressed, you know, guys that didn't go to the combine. So so in in the reality that we're in with, you know, with the COVID and, and we didn't get to see anyone in the testing, whatever. In in that reality, we get to see their tests, they impress, whatever. So maybe they go from undrafted to in the third round or whatever, the fourth round. But because of the, the time that we were in, those guys filter through. Mm. They just got completely overlooked because they didn't get an opportunity. All those guys that did not go to the combine were not given an opportunity to be scouted or to be evaluated. And so – I, I do think that this undrafted class um, has, has the potential to provide the NFL with more long-term contributors than other un- undrafted classes in the past, merely because scouts and evaluators were not given the same opportunity to scout and evaluate these guys up close in the two months, you know, in the month and a half leading up to the draft. So mm-hmm. that's going to... I, I think that that, yeah, that that will facilitate more guys having fallen through the cracks. Absolutely. Yeah. That that's kind of my theory as well. Of course, I don't have quite as much to back it up with, but it, it just logically makes sense to me. So, uh, of me course, too. Yeah. Uh, like you said, you ranked 500 kids that were coming in. Yep. So of course you probably had a lot of guys that were ranked quite high on that, that perhaps didn't get drafted. Are there any guys on that list that, you're particularly interested in that you think could have an immediate impact for a team? Yeah, there's a few. Um, I would say uh, one guy potentially, um, you know, just from you guys just talking about fantasy, just one guy from a fantasy perspective to keep an eye on James Robinson, a running back from Jacksonville. Um, James Robinson, he, and he's an FCS kid, you know, going back to the FCS, but he, he's a guy that I think should have been drafted. Um, he was not, but he, he tested well and he was super productive in college. 5'9", 219, tested in the 87th percentile. Basically, he's a really good athlete except for straight line speed. That's, that's all he doesn't have. But 
um, on the field, like I said, very productive, um, and he catches the ball as well. But the reason that he's really intriguing, not only is he a pretty solid player, but if the Jaguars trade Leonard Fournette, mm. all of a sudden you have a big, big vacuum there. And the only other – I mean, like, what that would do – perceptually it would elevate Ryquel Armstead to RB1. Well, Ryquel Armstead is a limited back. I, I evaluated Ryquel Armstead coming out. He can't catch. And so even if Ryquel Armstead plays really well, even if he does, you would have to have a complimentary guy next to him in, in pass catching situations, which very well could be James Robinson. But James Robinson also might be a more talented back than Ryquel Armstead. Mm. So if if Leonard Fournette is not with the Jaguars, if you know if they get rid of him here in the next couple couple of months, keep an eye on James Robinson as far as like a super duper duper deep sleeper. He yeah. he'd be one guy I'd point to. Yeah, that's a good that's a good insight. And who knows even with Leonard Fournette there because they don't seem too keen on him anyway. So maybe he could have some value even 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 though. Do you guys want me to toss a couple other names at you? Yeah, well, like one name I'm looking at at your rankings is uh, one tight end, uh, Hunter Bryant. You have him yep. tight end five. Yeah, yeah. So Hunter Bryant, he was, you know, he's a kid who had comes into to college at Washington. You know, he was a ballyhooed recruit, and whenever he was on the field, he put up stats. But he's a move tight end. He's a smaller guy, doesn't block, um, and he had all the medical issues, mm -hmm. and so that's the reason why he sort of filtered down. And then the other thing was. Um, you know, there was a perception that he was like a stud athlete, you know, especially you know, sort of had to be as like a move tight end, but he didn't test as well at the combine. And so he had those kind of things working against him. Even, even so, it was really surprising that he fell completely out of the draft um, just because he's played so well when he's been on the field. So, um, you know, he, he's a guy who could potentially become an interesting complementary piece in Detroit, you talk about like last season, they took, uh, you know, a tight end prospect that I think was, you know, one of the best tight end prospects to come out the last 20 years, TJ Hawkinson. He's your prototypical inline guy. Hunter Bryant is more of your big slot move tight end guy. So, you know, if, if Hunter Bryant, if he's over the, the health concerns and, and he can come out, you know, quick, whatever in camp. He's a guy that could potentially play really well with, with a guy like TJ Hawkinson. Um, so you mentioned some players that might have an immediate impact, but what about some guys that may be future down the line, like a couple of years from now? Are there anybody, anybody there that might need some developing that could potentially make it? It doesn't even have to be fantasy related. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, one, one guy um, – one guy that would sort of fit that mold is a uh, quarterback from Washington state, Anthony Gordon, um, Anthony Gordon. He's another guy that I, I think should have been drafted, but he wasn't because he has wonky throwing mechanics. He was a former baseball player and he played in the middle infield. And so he, he's a shortstop. And so he has this kind of like whip kind of action when he throws um, and you'll see him like sidearm the ball too and stuff like that. But he gets that because, you know, when he was a shortstop, you know, you, you, you'd see him flick it across the field like that. Mm -hmm. And he just – he brought that over from baseball, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but that being said, like last year at Washington State, the guy threw for a billion yards. You know, he, he threw for more yards last year than, than Gardner Minshew had the year before. And he might be – he might, you know, might have a more talented arm than, than Gardner Minshew does. He goes undrafted and he winds up – signing with Seattle 
which is a very interesting situation. Obviously, Seattle has Russell Wilson, so it's it's not a situation where he's going to play immediately. But Seattle doesn't have anything behind Russell Wilson. They I saw that they signed Geno Smith, but Geno Smith is you know he's a scrub. That's all that. That's really all, that's all that they have, literally. So Anthony Gordon could conceivably be their number two quarterback on next season. I think even if he's not, they're going to keep him on the roster as the third quarterback to develop him. But he's a guy that I could see um, down the line definitely starting games. You know, j- just a guy that, you know that that needs you know development like you're talking about. So he's he's one guy to keep an eye on. Um, another guy. This is a non fantasy thing, but the Cleveland Browns have a terrible offensive line, and they signed an offensive lineman named Alex Taylor that I kind of like. He's a he's a really tall kid. He's another kid from the FCS. He's six eight three oh eight. Um, he was one of the top offensive linemen I thought that sort of filtered out of the draft, but he's more of a project kind of that that just needs work. Um, and, and so you know, for a team that badly needed offensive line help and offensive line depth. Um, I think he's a really interesting developmental kind of guy, um, you know, that they brought in. So he he's a guy that, you know, if you work on him for a couple years, you know, he could be he, – he could turn out to be something. I, I mentioned Luke Barku before, the the San Diego State cornerback who got the record signing bonus. Yeah. He signed with Jacksonville. Um, he's a guy who's really raw. So right away he's probably not going to contribute. But, um, you know, if you give him a year or two – he he could emerge as as a good cornerback. So so he'd be another name that I I would toss out for that. Cool. All right, cool. I just uh, went and snagged James Robinson from our free agency <laughs> list in the, in the dungeon. <laughs> love it. Oh, I love that too. Uh, so uh, maybe moving away a little bit from the uh, undrafted free agents, but I was wondering, in your opinion, are there any people that were drafted and maybe drafted particularly high that you're not as high on as some of these teams? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry to put you on so, the spot like that. No, no. I, I just got to, th- I've, I've been so deep in the weeds with all these like, you know, undrafted guys. I got to go back and, and think about like the, the, you know, the, the, the higher, na- exactly. <laughs> um, so are you talking about like, um, like guy like guys that I think were overdrafted or overhyped, like, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, I like, do you mean from a fantasy perspective or a real life football perspective? I will take be, all the insight you got, man. Yeah. Okay. So I would say from a fantasy perspective, Henry Ruggs is going to be overrated That's because he's I more. Here. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like at Alabama, you saw this where like Jerry Judy got all the catches and, you know, Henry Ruggs got less, but, you know, Henry Ruggs, like the yards per catch and, and, and then the touchdowns, he, you know, like um, touchdowns per. Um, he he's a guy rugs in in real life he's a guy who you got him on the field because he's he's changing the way that the defenses defend you and you know he he tilts the field like you know the safety has to move back he, he you know he changes all that sort of stuff that that's a big part of his value so it's like this real life value but in some ways it's you know it's sort of hidden um but he's not going to get like the high volume sort of touches so if it's a PPR league um you know, it's he, he's not a guy that I would like maybe quite as much. Yeah. Um, which which isn't to say that, you know, he's a bad player or anything. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. No, no, that that's great insight. Uh just because yeah, that's what that's one of the guys I took late in the first round of my dynasty, but I had two first round picks, so I got Jonathan Taylor and then I was like looking for 
a late first round wide receiver. And I was like, well, Henry Ruggs was the first drafted wide receiver. He's probably good. Some probably kind of good. Yeah. I, I love Jonathan Taylor. Um, Jonathan Taylor running behind that offensive line is, is going to be nasty. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to take that job for Marlon Mack, mm. like really quick. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Taylor is the best pure runner in this class by quite a lot. I think, you know, yeah. he, he, he's just a stud. And then, that offensive line so good, run blocking. Yeah. So I think that's a really good fit. One running back I don't like as much as some other people is DeAndre Swift. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a bad situation for him too in Detroit. Um, so he, he I would kind of give him a thumbs down. J.K. Dobbins, as far as a prospect, I don't like him quite as much as some other folks, but he's in a really good landing spot, you know, being in that run first team. Yeah. So, so maybe – you know, I, I'll give him a thumbs to the side. Okay. Kind of. Yeah, good landing uh, spot for sure. A, a very good landing spot. A guy that I like a lot more than other people um, and I think is going to be a really good fantasy player is LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. He went to Jacksonville. Um, J- Chenault fell because of medical concerns, you know, going back to that kind of stuff. Um, trying to think of some other – other I guys, got, uh, Brandon Ayuk in uh, 204 in a 12-man league. What do you think about that spot? Was it good value or? Uh... I had I had Ayuk. So I guess I have him a little bit lower than the NFL did. I ranked him ninth. Um, Ayuk is really good after the catch, and so they threw him a bunch of like screen passes, and then he just like sort of runs around everybody. He had he had like more. I think he had more yards after the catch than anyone in college football, even even more than um, uh, Henry Ruggs. But um, what's going to be interesting for him is um, in San Francisco is if they can teach him the other stuff, um, you know, catching the ball like that more down the field and stuff like that, because he didn't do as much of that at Arizona State. It, you know, some of this stuff was sort of gadgety, but uh, San Francisco is a good landing spot for him because that's a, you know, it's a team with a very creative offensive staff. I, I think that they'll use him correctly. You know, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll figure it out. And they obviously wanted speed and they needed a receiver. So as far as a good landing spot, he, he found the right spot to go. So uh, we talked a little bit about Preston Williams, but I think Anthe wanted to ask you a little bit more about Preston Williams. So I'll, I'll toss that to Anthe. Yeah, and also because, yeah, we had a trade with Hayden. We are in a dynasty league Speaking together. of Marlon Mack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I was a Marlon Mack owner. And after the draft, I saw that Hayden may, might, might have some value for him. So we ended up trading uh, Marlon Mack and Hayden Hurst from my side to uh, to receive uh, Preston Williams and Darius Slayton from uh, from Hayden. Uh, I'm the obvious winner of that trade, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, talking about like two sophomores, do you see uh, like uh, from the last dra- last year's draft class who are gonna emerge this year? Maybe now just in fantasy wise to look an eye, keep an eye on. Um, do you see like any big uh, leaps? Yeah, I one guy a name I brought up before. I would say T.J. Hawkinson, uh, the the tight end from Detroit. Um, Hawkinson, he's the best blocking tight end that I've ever seen in college. But he was also a tremendous receiver um, and a really, really, really good athlete. And his first game in the NFL, you know, his debut a week one last year. I believe he broke the record for most receiving yards by a tight end in, in their first game in the NFL. And then, you know, sort of after that, he ran into some injury problems. He had two different injuries, and the second one was a season-ending injury. And so 
you know, I think some people maybe have a perception that he had kind of a disappointing season, you know, and he might be available for a discount, you know, on drafts because of that. But I think that there's uh, context to explain that just he was injured, you know, and, and tight end is also a position where it's in the NFL. That's one of the hardest to acclimate to. It's one of the slow, slowest developing positions. And so, um, you know, for those reasons, I, I think that uh, TJ Hawkinson would be a guy that I would, I would identify and zero in on if I was looking for like a sophomore guy to break out. Mm. All right. Yeah. That, good to know. That's good a lot to know. of good insight there. I'm definitely going to look into him this year. What do you think of Slayton? If I ask that, do you think, uh, because it's been lots of debate between Slayton and Shepard, maybe who's going to be the, uh, number one guy in giants this year. I have yeah. uh, Slayton higher than, than Shepard in targets. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a different thing, right? Like Slayton is a, is a burner. Um, and so it, he, he definitely has uh shepherd in terms of uh, the straight line speed. And so it, it almost comes down to like an ideological thing of like, you know, what, what do the giants want their aerial offense to be? Um, you know, and I, I, I don't know what that, what the answer to that question is, but um, you know, Slayton was always a guy in, in college that, um, you knew, you know, if, if, if you get that guy, the ball in his hands and there's not someone behind him, no one's catching him. So, I mean, that's, th- that's what his game comes down to. It's just speed, speed to burn speed for days. Mm. It's yeah, like a Ted Ginn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a good rookie year for a fifth round pick for sure. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yep. I actually, while we were talking about the draft, one thing came to my mind, and this is not fantasy related at all, but because I'm a very big Carolina Panthers fan. A lot of the talk in, in the Carolina Panthers like fan circles is that they essentially wasted their draft by not drafting a single offensive player. And I was wondering, what do you think about that? Do you think that they got good value? Anything about that? Anything about any insight about the Panthers draft? I would love to hear. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought they had a decent draft. Um, I, I, I do the draft grades like afterwards, and I, I think I, I might have given them like a C plus or a B minus, but I, I like – I. I grade on a curve. And so I give out as many F's as a pluses, you know, and I, so like a C is actually like rank 16th, you know, kind of a thing. So it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, (laughs) Like I, I thought they got pretty good value, you know, up and down the board. Um, The, the one pick that I, I sort of disagreed with is funny enough is the first one um, with Derek Brown. I, I would have taken Isaiah Simmons. Um, I I think Isaiah Simmons is better. Um, And the other thing is, is, uh, later on, Carolina um, took a nose tackle that Matt Rule knows very well from his Baylor days, a guy named Bravion Roy. Um, but they did not take a linebacker, despite the fact that they used, you know, like you said, all, all their picks on defense. Well, Isaiah Simmons is, you know, perhaps the most unique linebacker prospect to ever enter the NFL. And so it's interesting, you know, if they could do it over again whether they would have, you know, if they knew that they were going to take Bravion Roy, who plays a similar kind of position to Derek Brown, if they wouldn't have used that first pick on Isaiah Simmons instead. Mm-hmm. But just as far as, as the draft strategy goes, Matt Rule is a defensive first coach, you know, and he has a very uh, clearly delineated system and he has a very clearly delineated way of doing things. And, I mean, obviously he came in and he looked at the the, the their defensive roster and, didn't didn't really like what he saw there and so that was his priority to remake it and I think you know you as you know 
they remade their offense in free agency. They'd already done that. You know, it was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson and, you know, the uh, Seth Roberts and, uh, you know, they signed a couple of the other guys like shorter contracts, stuff like that. Like that's, they did it like as a two phase kind of a thing. And, you know, they brought in Joe Brady from LSU, you know, the guy that conducted like the crazy offense last year that led to Burrow being the first pick and all that. And I think Joe Brady has one way that he wants to run his offense. And so basically they were like, well, Joe Brady, we'll, we'll go out in free agency and we'll give you a bunch of money and you can find the quarterback that you need and, you know, the receivers that you need, whatever. And in, in the draft, that's well we're going to focus you know this this sort of other way I I think they got solid value in the draft I I would have so I to answer your question I'm fine with the overall strategy I I'd nitpick just a couple of the picks Mm -hmm. but I'm okay with it overall yeah so you mentioned a little bit about the new OC so do you think that they will be able to get what they were expecting done with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it depends on what you mean by, you know, you know, what they're, they're thinking there, but you know, like what, what sort of the expectation is, but you know, Joe Brady has his offense at LSU was at the end there. They would send five wide every play, you know, like, I mean, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being the fifth one, you know, so it'd be, you'd have the three stud receivers, you'd have the tight end Thaddeus Moss, and then the running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they were out on routes on every single play. In Carolina, are they going to be, are they going to do that? Are they going to be willing to do that? Are they going to go minimum protection, you know, consistently? That I don't know. You know, like in the, in the NFL, that's a more rare thing. Uh, than you see in college, um, you know, as, as far as Bridgewater goes, I think Bridgewater is a pretty solid uh, fit for that. I think he's a better fit for that offense than Cam Newton. Mm. Um, you know, Cam Newton, obviously he's a bigger name and um, he has more of a body of success behind him, but Cam Newton is, you know, as you guys know, he's more of that big battering Ram guy and, you know, he's got kind of a bullet arm downfield, but we're, his game struggles is with accuracy mm. and Joe Brady's offense. It's about timing and accuracy. And those are two parts of Cam Newton's game that lag way behind Teddy Bridgewater. Those are strengths of his mm. go, go, going all the way back to Louisville. He's a pocket passer, um, you know, and he's very good in rhythm. And so I think, you know, he's going to do well with that. We'll just have to see is, is their offensive line good enough to hold up, with only five or six guys protecting Bridgewater. Um, Bridgewater's not the most mobile guy. So, you know, Joe Burrow was able to sort of maneuver around the pocket, you know, like, you know, if, if the protection did break down, is Teddy Bridgewater going to be able to do that? And the, then the other thing was at LSU, all their receivers were, you know, four and five star recruits and stuff like that, you know, studs. I mean, like Justin Jefferson went in the first round of the Vikings uh, Jamar Chase, uh, the other guy, uh, he won the Bolitnikoff last year. He's going to be a top five or top ten pick next year. Terrace Marshall on the other side, he was a five-star recruit. He'll probably be a day two pick. Thaddeus Moss, he was an undrafted free agent, but he was one of the the top ones. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a first-round pick. Mm. Um, you know, with the Panthers, Robbie Anderson's a good receiver, but, you know, I mean, he's he's going to be drawing the, the oppo- you know opposing team's cornerback one, and then, you know, the, your other receivers, are they going to have matchup advantages all the time against the defensive back they're up against? Um, 
so so some of that schematic type stuff, we'll have to see if they're able to get quite the same advantages that they got at, at LSU. But I, I think, you know, just in general, Bridgewater is going to be able to run that system just because his strengths um, his strengths are what they're looking for. Wow. That, that's a really great answer. And I guess what you're saying, if they're going to throw that many people out wide, there's not really a better running back in the league to throw out wide than Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect fit. Perfect yeah, exactly. fit for that offense. Yeah. yeah. I, I like what you're saying. And DJ Moore, he's not, it, it'd be nice to see what he can do with a quarterback that has a little bit of accuracy. So yeah, I guess it's going to be an exciting year for Carolina. That, not what I thought we were going to be talking about today, but I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, like, you know, Rule runs, you know, last year in college ran one of the most interesting defenses, you know, the, the past several years. And, Joe Brady just conducted the most explosive offense in the history of, of college football. And so I think bringing both those things to, to an NFL team and, you know, like we talked about this off season, they, they had a very clear strategy for attacking both sides of those ball, both sides of the ball in those ways um, and went about that in this very methodical way. So I, I think that's an interesting, interesting team to watch this year for sure. Mm, awesome. Mm, that's, yeah. that's exciting to hear. Aren't they? For sure. Do you have anything yeah. you want to ask? Yeah, maybe before we wrap it up, why don't you give your uh, like uh, RB one wide receiver one and tight end one in dynasty to pick? Oh man, drafts. Um, well, I'll just give you from this draft class because yeah, 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 of from, yeah, from yeah, from draft, yeah. So um, I think I think my running back I would probably do Clyde Edwards Hilaire, especially if it was a PPR, if it's mm. a PPR league, because he's going to get a gazillion uh, catches with Pat Mahomes. You know, Pat Mahomes was um, – obviously, you guys know the offense is, is ridiculously explosive, but Pat Mahomes, he's been thrown to his running back and comfortable throwing to his running back going all the way back to Texas Tech. That's just what they do. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was by far the best receiving back in this class. So I, I would put him at the top of the running backs. Um, quarterback, I, I between Tua and Burrow, that would be really close for me. Um, I, you could you could almost flip a coin on that one. Um, at receiver, uh, I guess I'd probably say C.D. Lamb. Um, J- Jerry Judy, I like Jerry Judy. You know, in terms of like uh, um, players, you know, I think they're very similar in terms of overall talent. But um, you know, I know that C.D. Lamb's going to a situation where they have more playmakers. Um, however, uh, Jerry Judy. He's also going to a situation where they, they you know, they, they have a lot of guys, too, to get the ball, too, as well. Um, but their quarterback isn't nearly as good. And so I think that the offense in Dallas is going to score a lot more. They're going to have the ball a lot more. Um, and it just seems like a better situation uh, going down the road. So I, I think he'd be my, my top guy as far as, like, receivers. And then at tight end, this is a really bad tight end class, like a really, really bad tight end class. Um, as far as like fantasy, I suppose you just almost have to say Cole Komet just by default, just because he's going to be the guy that gets the opportunity early. But you were touching CD Lamb there, just a personal interest. We have quite a big debate of going on about that, Dak Prescott and, and his talent. What's your opinion uh, about Dak Prescott? Do you see him as a good quarterback? I mean, of course, his stats are good, but is it only because of, of that offensive line and those weapons are? Does that guy have actual talent? I I I think Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. Um, you know, I don't I don't think he's a top, you know, 
six or seven guy, but you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL, you know? And so like Dak Prescott's a guy that, you know, I think most teams would, would like to have, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if you were putting like the hierarchy together, you know, I, I don't know where he'd go, but he, he's got to be top half of the league, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you would have, you would have to imagine. So we actually had, I think auntie's asking, cause we've had quite a debate about this just today. So yeah, it's one of those things that's a hot topic in all, I, I would imagine in a lot of fantasy football leagues actually, because he's on prime time all the time. So you're seeing him virtually every Sunday night or Monday, Monday night as well. So like, yeah, Antti and I, we don't get the luxury of watching him. We only get the luxury of seeing his fantasy stats. So on paper, he looks like a phenomenal player. <laughs> but yeah, like, we sure. don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. no, I, yeah, I, I think he's a solid player. I mean, because he can do – he can hurt you in sort of multiple different ways. You know, obviously you have the mobility, you have the arm. Um, you know, neither of them are like at the elite, elite, elite level. And so sometimes I think he gets nitpicked. But um, – you know, like I said, he's an above average NFL starting quarterback, and I, I, I think most franchises would kill to have him. Mm. Is he worth the money he's he's asking for? No. <laughs> <Okay>. Well, there <laughs> Maybe you go. Not. That is that is one way to put that debate to bed. For sure. Yeah. We'll be sure to send that along to what everybody Yeah, tell tell Dak's agent I said so. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough hey but uh thor i i would really i would love to thank you for coming on this was amazing and thank you for going with all these curveballs i know this wasn't exactly what we were planning but you have so much knowledge we had to pick your brain on a little bit of everything so thank you so much dude yeah. of course Thanks appreciate it my nordic brothers yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. pleasure so, to join you yeah for yeah. sure uh but before we go i know not sure, but is there anything you want to like shout out or say to anybody? Where yeah, where people can find you? I'm you're quite big on Twitter. Yeah, y'all can find me on Twitter at Thorku. It's T H O R K U, and then you can check out my work on uh, RotoWorld, RotoWorld.com at the uh, NFL Draft section. Awesome, great. Yeah, thank you so great. much. And you can find all of you can find Anthe and I on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NFG Pod. And you can find Anthe specifically at FFN Analyst and me at NFG Haven. Wow, what an amazing interview. I really had a good time with that one. I hope you did too, Anthe. Yeah, I had. And thanks for guys for uh, sticking this far. Uh, before we go out, I want to shout out uh, one guy who cre- uh, recorded a podcast just for per our request about IDP. And that would be uh, Ale- okay, Alex Duchesne's. And his podcast is called Terrestrial Takes. So you can find him uh, at least on Spotify and Twitter. It's uh, Duchesne's underscore. So yeah, he knows his stuff. He's been doing fantasy since 2004 when he was like under 10 years old. So long experience there and he likes IDP a lot. So uh, individual defensive player. And I think we are going to double with that uh, also this season with the NFG guys. So yeah, for sure. And also I I mentioned also this in Twitter, but uh, he, this is uh, almost direct quote from his podcast. Uh, IDP is a way to outnerd each other. So <laughs> whoever the biggest nerd is and, and know his stats, he's, he's going to outperform the others or outnerd the others, as he said. So we all know who's the biggest nerd in our crew. So There's a reason I'm not playing IDP leagues, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, go and check that episode, Terrestrial Takes. Yeah, Just wanted if- to give a shout out for a good friend. 
if you guys remember Alex, he actually joined our podcast a couple of weeks ago for our draft special, and he knew a lot more than Anthe and I both did. So definitely have a listen to him. He's a, a great expert. He's been doing fantasy football for a long time, and definitely take a listen to his IDP show. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Moro, moro, mitä poro. That's Finnish and it means what's up reindeer in short. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode or all of our previous episodes. We hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. That is the most important thing. Go and listen to us in Spotify, in Apple Pod and all the other major podcast platforms. And if you have any questions or you'd like to get a hold of us, you can reach us at NFG Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We Kiitos. hope to see you there. Moro, moro.